At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. You know those friends you're introduced to by chance? Maybe it's work or maybe you share a mutual friend. And then before you know it, They are lifelong, laugh, cry, good times, bad times friends. Well, that is Jenna Bush Hager for me. I've known Jenna for 12 years and we spent the last two and a half as co-hosts. You probably see us when the show starts sitting at a table, but long before that, we're texting, we're sharing stories about our kids, we're collaborating, we're laughing together. We are a team through and through. I can't tell you how many people walked down the street and yelled at me, hey, Hoda, where's Jenna? And that always puts a smile on my face. This girl, by the way, guys, is the real deal. She's Southern charm meets passionate humanitarian meets educator at heart turned natural journalist. She's the only person I know who could grow up around the White House and yet will never pass up some chips and queso. She's so down to earth. And today, she's right here with me. Jenna joins me to talk about life, love, and we look back at the lessons we've learned. I'm Hoda Kotb. Welcome to my podcast, Making Space. Hi, Jenna. Hi. I don't know why I'm thinking this in this moment, but I was just thinking when you first, very first, had your very first day at work at the Today Show. Mm-hmm. I don't picture you being intimidated, but I wonder if when you walked in on day one, if you were. I mean, yes, I think. And I think I was well aware that I was coming from teaching, that it was a total shift in what I'd been doing. I think the other thing that was hard is that the very first time I sat down on the couch, they were announcing like, oh, you're joining the show and let's talk about you. And for some reason, I know this may sound weird now, but that made me uncomfortable. Talking about- Talking about myself. Like telling the stories. I was so excited because then we were flying to Dallas and I was Uh going to tell the story of this little boy that I'd met there that I just loved. Mm -hmm. And that part felt natural to mm-hmm. me, the storytelling about somebody else. But when they were talking about me, I just remember like blushing and feeling kind of embarrassed. I, I kind of, I remember the initial days and look, NBC is a great place mm-hmm. to work and everyone's mm-hmm. really nice. Mm-hmm. But whenever you go into a new place and the people have been there for years and years and years and you're learning the skills, like I know that you're a worker, but I didn't realize how hard you worked until you came to NBC. I mean, you did not stop. You were like, I am going to work. I'm going to work until I learn all this stuff. Yeah, and I mean, a therapist might say too much. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think, you know, coming into a new place, I'm also aware of what people might think about me. You know, I have a public life. I had had a public life really by not my choice, Mm -hmm. but I was born into one. And so, you know, I'm not naive. I knew that people might think, oh, 
you know, she doesn't need to work, you know, or she, why does she work hard? And so I think I tried to prove otherwise. And maybe people didn't even think that, Mm -hmm. you know, I had no idea, but I worked against that. Right now you're thinking of your Maria Shriver conversation, Mm -hmm. aren't you? Yeah, because Maria also came from public life Mm -hmm. and she knows too that feeling of like, you can work as hard as you you want to work. Everyone's going to think what they're going to think. Right. You, you just do you. And also, why are you doing it? Why are you doing yeah, it? Yeah, so, you know, she was in the makeup room with me one morning, and I had just flown in from somewhere, and she was asking me where I'd been, and I told her, and I was just sort of stating the places yeah. I'd been yeah. or what I'd done. And she was like, wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Like, why are you doing all that? And nobody had ever asked me that. Huh. And she said, I just want to tell you something. And like, I hope you don't take offense to this. But she said, I flew here yesterday. And the TSA guy said, aren't you a Kennedy? She said, Jenna, I've worked my whole life to be Maria Shriver. (laughs) But now I'm, you know, in my 50s and they still think, aren't you a Kennedy? So I don't know what you're trying to prove, but make sure you're doing it because you love it and it fills you up and not because you need to prove anything because, you know, you don't. And so when she said that to you, what were you, what did you I mean, it was like it? I called my sister yeah. because that Christmas before my mom said, I don't know how I raised three workaholics, joking because Henry obviously yeah. isn't <laughs> her son. But all of us were like working yeah. in some way or talking about work or something. And, you know, my mom just, you could tell she would like, that didn't sit well with her. Mm-hmm. That, you know, I think they're obviously proud that we work hard, but I think somewhere kind of deep in her soul and her intuition, she probably was thinking the same thing as Maria Shriver. Like, what are they doing this for? That is really profound. So I, I don't think I've ever been anywhere with you where someone hasn't said, oh my gosh, I knew your grandfather. I knew, I, I, you know, I worked with your dad. And I wondered, you always have, you know, a beautiful smile and you're always wanting to hear how, what, oh yeah, I'll tell them. But I wondered, like, how does that feel? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's always been that way. And it's so funny because Poppy actually just said something to me. She said, Daddy told me that you used to not like that people knew who you were. And now that you're okay with it. And I was like, that's probably true. I was also like, why are they talking about me? (laughs) But that's probably true. I think in college in particular, you know, Barbara and I, we were normal kids. Like we had a very normal childhood. We grew up in Midland, Texas, moved to Dallas. Mm -hmm. You know, it was interesting because we had grandparents who had big jobs, but they weren't in our day to day. Mm -hmm. So it was foreign to us, which is weird. And I know that that's probably hard for people to believe, but it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And so much so that when my dad became president, he was like, don't worry, you can be normal. Like he just he wanted said. to give us what oh, we wanted, but like, obviously we couldn't. But he, I think he really believed that. How did they do that? Like, what did they do to make life normal? Like, how I mean, did they I do it? I mean, I think they, you know, they just never asked us to go on one. We didn't do one campaign or political event for our dad until we graduated from college. Oh, Wow. I mean, when we were little, we might have done a thing or two for my grandfather. But once my dad ran for president, we didn't go to one Mm. thing. I mean, election night, you know, but during the campaign trail, we didn't want to be part of it. And he, that was okay with him. Like he wasn't using us as his daughters for any sort of, you know, campaign Mm -hmm. picture or anything like that. We just weren't part of it. And, um, and I think, You know, I think they allowed us to have our lives. I think one thing that was really fortunate for Barbara and me is that college is this really selfish time. Yeah. Meaning you're trying to figure out who you are 
outside of your family, outside of what the expectations mm-hmm. your household has for mm-hmm. you. And so we could be in that, you know, we could like explore. And so we didn't really think a lot about all that came with our dad's job. You know, we could try to come up with our own identity. And so I think then it was hard. Um, I mean, it was particularly hard for Barbara, who went to Yale, didn't know anybody. And she says even now, she's like, I don't think anybody voted for dad. And even her (laughs) college roommates were in the front row of like some book event. I'm like, no, surely y'all voted for him. And they were like, no, No, we did not. (laughs) So I think it was particularly hard for her. I mean, I went to a school where I was surrounded by friends I already had. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I think we, that type of thing embarrassed us. Yeah. I'm just thinking about how cool it would be to have a twin sister to go through yes. life with. You know exactly what the other's feeling. She just had a baby. I know. She's been waiting for that I for know. so long. I mean, it is, it's because we've done everything together. And particularly when we were little, you know, we were in sync. One of us mm-hmm. wasn't older and therefore cooler and had a different reaction to mm-hmm. something that was happening. We were, we had a really shared history mm-hmm. because we were the same age. Um, and so it's interesting how adulthood happens and how I just met Henry and that she didn't meet somebody. You know, she had a lot of boyfriends and and people always asked about it. I mean, it was kind of disheartening, you know, to travel with her and people would say like, well, why aren't you married? Painful. Oh God. I mean, painful is the right word. And, um, you know, actually Condoleezza Rice once said that people asked her too Mm. why she's not married. Mm. Even now after she was secretary of state, you know, after she's done all these things, like when you want to ask her about like the nuclear code or something, (laughs) why are you asking that question? And I think, you know, one of the things that people assume too is like, you know, why had, hadn't she had kids? And Barbara actually had decided before my grandmother died, she had a conversation with my grandmother where she had decided to have kids on her own. She did. And she, she talked to my grandmother, grandmother about, about it. it. And my grandmother said, I think that's a really good idea. And so Barbara froze her eggs and mm. was planning if she didn't meet somebody to go ahead and do it you know, and then hopefully meet somebody mm-hmm. else or, you know, I, I don't, that was her plan. And and she was so, um, you know, she was so encouraged mm-hmm. by our 92-year-old How grandmothers. Cool that? Yeah, that she thought, you know, that sounds like a good idea. Do you miss her, your sister? Yeah, I do. I mean, she's going to be moving back here. Oh, she is. Okay. So I'll be spending more time with her, but I do. I and I, say. and it is, it's interesting how, our lives followed this very similar narrative as little kids and then took this, you know, I just started a family earlier. It'll be really fun to watch her become a mom and she's FaceTiming me with the baby, you know, feeding the baby a bottle and all of those, like wondering what we should do for Halloween, like all of these Mm. things that where our narratives are coming back together. And I just can't wait to watch her you know, become a mom. I know there's so many, when you think of all these phases of life where Mm -hmm. you think I couldn't breathe without the person next to me and suddenly they're not next to you and and she's coming back. I'm so happy. I didn't know she was moving back. Yeah, she's moving back here, which I think will be really great. Thank God. (laughs) Coming up, I talked to Jenna about turning 40 when we come back.
Every parent is a busy parent. There's enough on your plate without piling on your kids' homework. And considering how much teaching methods have changed, most of us are a little rusty anyway. Consider IXL, an excellent resource for homework that can make a huge impact on your child's ability to learn. Backed by research, kids using IXL are actually scoring higher on their tests. Our techniques help them master topics in a fun way, complete with positive feedback. We're seeing improvements all across the country as IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S., And IXL is also very affordable. One month of IXL costs less than the typical hour of tutoring. On just one website, IXL covers all the kids in your home from pre-K to 12th grade. Sign up today to get 20% off your membership at IXL.com slash H-O-D-A. That's IXL.com slash H-O-D-A. You're about to turn 40. Mm -hmm. Um, How does that sit with you? How does 40 sit? It's interesting. It feels, um, I mean, in some ways, I haven't even really thought about it. But one of the things that's interesting is that my dad had a big milestone at 40. He quit drinking the day after his 40th birthday. And I actually don't remember him ever drinking. Like, I, I was five years old, so my first memories didn't I had no memory of him ever drinking alcohol. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting to me because a lot of his stories, you know, to us, just in our family, sort of begin at 40. Hmm. I think he had like a, a new lease on life at 40, a really important revelation that he just couldn't, you know, drink. And um, so that's something. I mean, that sits with me. That mm-hmm. that sits with me because it was just a a really important part of our family, like that choice that he made really had ramifications that felt all the way down to us. And so that's an interesting thing. Is he, is that something that um, he talks about? Yeah. He does. I mean, he does. He does. He didn't, you know, he really just woke up on the day after his 40th birthday. I'm like, Henry, you better watch me on my 40th birthday (laughs) because I don't really want to quit. You know, I don't think I need to. But he woke up and just decided that it didn't you that know, suit him, that he wasn't as as um, present of a parent mm-hmm. um, or a, a husband as he wanted to be. And so, yeah, he talks about it. I mean, he talks about just how, and I think it's something that's super important mm-hmm. that I, in my life to just take stock of the choices that I'm making. And it's something that I'm, I think about. Um, you know, he had a conversation with me when I was younger and just said, you know, always it runs in our family, alcoholism. And so think about it, you know, just make sure that you're, you're making those choices that are best for your family. And so I do think about that because I think there is this culture and, uh, and with motherhood in particular, where it's like, you know, Mm -hmm. celebrates, right. Mommy juice, let's mommy go to the juice. park, we'll meet together, yeah, or it's this a lot is, of fun. Mommy drinks this. Yeah, ha, ha, And ha. I think because I had a father who was, you know, vocal about mm-hmm. that choice, um, that it it makes me just think about it in my own life too. I was going to ask you if anything scares you. Um, it, and I wondered if that was on the list. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does. And we have, I you know, other friends, people you know, whose mm-hmm. parents were alcoholics and... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I feel like I have a pretty good grasp mm-hmm. on 
you know, it, I don't feel like it affects me in a way, but my sisters quit drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom no longer drinks. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, it definitely is something that, it, you know, I don't think it's as scary because I don't remember that part. My yeah. dad dr- drinking too yeah. much. And and I never really thought, you know, my mom, I don't remember my mom drinking mm-hmm. too much. So it's not like, but I think I'm definitely aware of it. Yeah. Um, does anything intimidate you? Like, is there a person who could walk in the room right now who would intimidate you in one way or the other in terms of like, oh my God, I can't believe that person's here. I feel like we've, we've met a lot of cool people. I know. And I'm you- trying to think. I mean, I think, you know, it's funny because when I was first interviewed, yeah for a book that I wrote, Diane Sawyer asked me like who I'd be starstruck by. And I think she expected me to say like Justin Bieber or something, but he wasn't big then. I mean, I don't know who would have been like the 2006 Justin Bieber, but Justin Timberlake, whoever it was. And I was like, Toni Morrison. You Um, you said that when you were that. Yes. And I, because I loved Toni Morrison and she actually said, after the interview, she said, what are you doing now? And I was flying back to Washington, D.C. And she said, because I wanted to invite you to my house and have Toni Morrison come over. And I was like, damn. Wait, first of all, I'm so, I am cannot believe that's who yeah. you said. And she was shocked. And she and Diane Sawyer is friends with Toni, or okay, you know, was wanna... friends with Toni Morrison. So have you loved, you've loved, I know you love books because mm-hmm. you talk about it. Have you loved them forever? I mean, yes. oh my God. And Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye I read, yeah. I think my sophomore year in, in uh, high school. And it totally changed my perspective on everything. And I don't even, it's hard to even articulate why. Coming up, as we say goodbye to season one of Making Space, I share the most memorable moments with Jenna. Stay with us. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. One of the things I love about this podcast and I love since we started is I really do feel like I'm sitting in a therapy session. I'm meeting people and I feel like, I almost feel guilty that this is a job. I'm like, oh my God, thank you. You know, you pay a therapist. I'm like, so how much? But I remember when Pastor Michael Todd Mm -hmm. came on, he had such a profound effect on me. There was Mm -hmm. something about how he viewed the world with intention, how Mm -hmm. every day he set off with something in mind to do, not just, oh, well, it's another Wednesday. But one of the things that struck me the most was what he said about his relationship with his wife and how he builds on it. This is what he had to say. If you're married more than five years, you're not married to the same person you married. Like, and we got a a revelation that 
you keep changing every five years and I needed to relearn who she was. What she used to like, she didn't like anymore. So I would do certain things and I was like, man, that used to really work. Like that used to really get you going. Like what, what happened? I mean, that right there, yes. is that the plainest statement? Like you've been with Henry for a long time. It's the plainest, but when yeah. you told it to me, yeah. it was like a light bulb yeah. went off because I have said to Henry, but like, why aren't you as joyous? Yeah. When I first met Henry, I remember him like skipping. Oh, He for was real? that, I mean, I don't know if he yeah. actually did it, but that's <laughs> the energy that I got yes. from him. He was so carefree. I mean, he, you know, he just was, Filled with joy. Yeah. I think that's who he is. Yeah. But obviously, you know, however many years later, 13, 14 years later, there's other things that have happened in life that have, he's not the same person. And I shouldn't expect that. But until you told me what what, the pastor said, I had never thought of it that way. Me too. I, I did the same thing when it came to Joel because, and think about us too. Yeah. You are a, you're, by the way, you're a completely different person than the person I met when you started working here. You are, you're totally different. You're new. You come in with a million ideas. Mm -hmm. You're so in charge. You are so in charge. I am. Yes, you're in charge, man. You have this thing, which I found really admirable because you could walk into a place where you have learned the craft. You've learned this craft faster than anyone I've ever seen. You have the craziest news instincts that I I haven't seen with, with someone who hasn't been in this business for like 15 years. You're like, let's lead with that. Why don't we take a break here? Why don't we, all those little bits and pieces. But that's just how you've changed mm-hmm. professionally. Mm-hmm. But I was just thinking about the same thing back to me and Joel. It's like, it's the exact same thing. Joel doesn't like the same things he liked. Yeah. We always ate at the same place. I never really liked the place. Yeah. Why are we eating there again? Yeah. I never yeah. wanted it. The fr- I did it for you. Because now we're just being who we are. Yes. We're, stop, we're not pleasing anymore. Yeah, and I thought I thought his thought about really getting to know somebody. Yes. And no matter who, like even parents, parents. parents. and friends and, and um, siblings to really think like, okay, this is who I know you as, but who are you now? Mm-hmm. I thought that that was brilliant. You know, it's so funny. A friend of mine who I haven't spoken to in like a few months called me just to talk. And I said, well, tell me what happened. And she said, well, my mom passed in September. Mm -hmm. And it was like a knife in my heart. You know, when you realize Mm -hmm. that you weren't present for somebody's worst moment. And she said, I'm just going to say one thing to you. She said, my mom told the same story a thousand times and we all rolled our eyes. And she said, just do this for me. Listen to your mom tell the story again, whatever her story is. Listen and let her tell it to you again and again and again. She just talked about how fleeting it all is. And it just struck me in that moment because as we go through our busy lives doing what we do, someone lost somebody and all she wants to do is listen to, to the story. same story yeah. one, just one more time. Yeah, you know, um, Henry lost his dad during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And Henry's dad was um, had polio and was in a wheelchair Henry's whole life. And we watched this piece with Harry Smith together about um, this man living in a, in a wheelchair who was paralyzed later in life. And Harry said, well, how do you dream? Mm. What are you doing in your dreams? And Henry burst into tears and said, why didn't I ever ask my dad what he dreamed about because his dad could walk, you know, could, and just wondering, like, and I think it was such a, Mm. I said to to him and to everybody, like, listen to that story, but also ask 
your parents or your grandparents yes. or whoever it, is, whoever it is, what they dream about. Yes. Ask them about what they were like when they were young. Yeah. Have those conversations yes. because you're right. You know, it's like right. time is fleeting. Right. Okay. Um, one of the other life lessons, and we learned a ton of them, was when um, my dear friend Maria and your dear friend Oprah <laughs> were <you>. together. <laughs> and I had so admired their friendship. But the thing that struck me was Oprah said that she only has three mm. friends. And I think she has lots of acquaintances, lots of people who know her, mm. lots of people who talk to her. She has Maria, she has Gail, and she has Bob, who was her trainer for many, many years, but is obviously her dear friend. Her circle is small and it's tight. And I'm not sure if that's a trust thing, like I know these people will always have my back or if that's all she needs. That surprises me yeah. because there's so many people that yeah. feel like Oprah is their friend, yeah. you know, but I think it's like, you know, she's their yeah. friend, but she has yeah. these three solid. Yes, solid. Like North Stars yeah. almost. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I have that too, but mm -hmm. I do have a lot of friends. You do. Um, from a lot of different stages in life and some of whom I'm, you know, closer with than others. Yeah. But um, I mean, I, I had parents and grandparents who really treasured friendships. I mean, both of my grandparents saw their best friend on the last day of their life. My grandmother had her best friend over to drink a Manhattan, her favorite oh. cocktail. And my grandfather's best friend, Jim Baker, snuck into the hospital with something to make a dirty martini. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I witnessed... Like it was so ingrained in our, in my family, in the culture of our family, that friendship, I mean, they would say it in letters that I read from my grandmother. She asked about my friends. They included our friends and things. Right. So it's part of my DNA. So I don't know. It's interesting. I think I have space for probably more than three. Yeah. What about you? Um, I have a handful, but I do think when, when someone new steps into my life, mm -hmm. like you, mm -hmm. I love the feeling. Like I think... I feel like I'm a better person because of that. Because I think you can keep your tight circle. We all have our 2 a.m. phone call. Yeah. Like, who's your 2 a.m.? Yeah, probably Farrell, my, yeah. my longest. Yeah, and mine's probably Karen. Yeah. So it's we know who our 2 yes. a.m. phone and call Barbara is. And Barbara and probably, And Barbara know, and Howell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> but, yes. but you're right. But we've got that, like, that core group. But I do think... I feel like I'm always enhanced when somebody new steps in yeah, and says, too. oh my gosh, I've got this. The other thing they talked about, Oprah and Maria both talked about, which is I think we both could use, is how important it is to just stop for a second and stop sprinting through your life. Um, this is what Oprah had to say. Women don't give themselves the right to rest. I remember, uh, yes, I was working with this meditation therapist uh, when I was doing tour last year just before COVID hit hard. And we would do this big meditation in the arenas. And whenever he would say to the audience, you deserve rest, you could see tears flowing out of women's eyes. Men don't cry when they're told you deserve rest, but women start to weep because the very notion that you can give yourself permission to rest is a foreign concept to so many women. Oh my gosh. Guilty. You feel guilty when you yeah, rest Yeah, it's sometimes. so true. You don't, when do you rest? I mean, I try to get into bed as early as I can. Like sleep to me is, rest. I like to go to bed early. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I try, I do. I try to find time to rest. Right. I had a mom who did not feel guilty about taking rest. 
Really? Like my so mom loved mean? to be in bed. Oh, she did. Like, and you know, meaning she would take, if she could, she would take an afternoon nap. Now she, yeah. she just didn't feel a lot of guilt no about guilt. this, about those types of things. I'm sure she did. Maybe she just didn't share Never. it with us, but yeah. that like being in bed, we would be in bed on Saturday mornings and they'd read the paper and we would have our books. Like uh-huh. that wasn't something she felt bad about. She modeled taking time. I mean, yeah. that's why she asked why we were workaholics. Well, I do think that the sprinting through and tr- like I was looking at my um, my week this week and I was trying to block out some time yeah. that didn't involve anybody. Yes. And it was almost impossible to find like one hour, one half hour. Just to like you just read and I, or do whatever you wanted. And I started blocking it out just so I could try to do right something, take a walk in the park, do something that didn't involve. And I love my kids and I love Joel and all mm-hmm. the other stuff, but something that just gave you like a half a second yeah. just to be. To have some space. Because I feel like if you do allow for that space, you are better. Yeah. You're better at all yes. the other things. Yes. But she's so right. I know. And the fact that women wept, women wept when someone said, you deserve that. You've earned that. That's yours. And I think that's that might be a newer, that might be a newer thing yeah. too. Yeah. Because I think with, you know, and we see all these studies of mm-hmm. women just, you know, in the last two years, yeah. exhausted, teaching their kids and yeah. taking care of their families yes, and also working it. from home. Yes. It's like, it, it's probably, it feels like it's come to a head almost. Yeah. We have one last one, Jenna. Okay. This is um, Cheryl Crow. And Cheryl Crow wondered if she was going to be a good mom. And she said she had to do something first before she could mm-hmm. become a good mom. And this is what she said. Before I could be happy being a mom, I had to be happy. And that was the first thing. And then being a mom has been the greatest, the greatest gift and the greatest occupation. I mean, I I have full respect for moms across the board. And she went on to say, Jenna, if someone told her today that you will never make music again. Yeah. She said, I will be as happy as I have ever been because... She talked about her greatest joy was those taking raising her two her two sons. You know, isn't that like the truth of it all? I know. Is to take stock in those things as opposed to like job titles. I know. Because if you don't, I know. You know, the other things are fleeting. I know. Her mom kind of did what your grandmother did mm-hmm. with Barbara. Mm-hmm. Her mother said to her, Listen, and she said it came out of left field, you go ahead. Mm-hmm. You have kids your way. You don't have to wait for somebody to make that part happen. And I think, Cheryl, if you were to ask her as a happy person inside, but I think she had to get her feet steady and, you know, do all the things that you need to do, therapy and whatnot, mm-hmm. until you feel like, okay. Because we've all had that feeling where, like, a guy would make it ha- make me so happy. Mm-hmm. If I could just get the promotion, mm-hmm. and the promotion would mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. Or if I could just buy the new house, if I could get the new house, I'd know I'd feel like a mm-hmm. different person. And at the end of the day, it never, ever, ever works. Yeah, Yeah, it's the same thing. It's like the itch you can't scratch. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Do you know that you, I know we've both had really long days, so we're all going to make space for ourselves right after this. But I just want to tell you, my last guest on season one. I'm so happy to be here. We are going to have season two. We're so excited. We're launching season two. We have a whole array of awesome guests who have just beautiful life lessons just like you did, Jenna. Well, I'm so happy to be part of this because I know how happy it's made you. Oh, 
It's made my It's day. so fun to watch a friend <laughs> light up at something that maybe wasn't even a possibility a couple years ago. So I'm so happy to be part of this awesome podcast. And usually on the show, I like to stroke your, your graphic of your face, but <laughs> we'll just so, end there. Okay, let's end there. <laughs> Goodbye, Jenna. <laughs> Bye. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening and going on this journey with me. If you like what you've heard, and I sure hope you do, please give Making Space a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Making Space with Hoda Kotb is produced by Allison Berger and Ursula Summer, along with associate producer Olivia Rouchard, researcher Rachel Yong, and audio engineer Bob Mallory. Original music by John Estes. Bryson Barnes is our technical director. Minna Kathoria is our executive producer. Soraya Gage is our general manager. And Madeline Herringer is our head of editorial. We also want to give a special thank you to Mary Casalino, Libby Least, Tom Mazzarelli, Joanne Lamarca Matheson, Lauren Gamsey, Ashley Codiani, Missy Dunlop, Nick Offenberg, Aisha Turner, Reed Cherlin, Robin Gratison, Amy Wolf, Amanda Levine, Amy Bond, Lexi Rudolph, Chelsea Damberg, Amanda Sidman, Abigail Russ, Brittany Bosner, Katie Disler, Ali Detweiler, and Noah Oppenheim. And to all my guests, and especially to you guys, our listeners, thank you for making space for us. I'm Hoda Kotb. Thanks for listening. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.